Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Any Line, Anytime. I'm your host, Mark Babin. Great to have you with me today. There's no doubt that digital transformation has had a significant impact on the supply and value chain industries over the past years. Because of this, for those who work within the industries, they have seen some incredible trends develop that are not only driving change, but doing so very quickly. In this episode, we welcome a good friend to AnyLine, Richard Sandal from Innovaptive, to help us take a look at what these trends are and how you can take advantage of them in your operations. So let's get into it, and I'll catch you on the other side. Richard, thank you so much for being with us. So great to see you, and uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mark, and uh, gl- great to be here. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. We do what we can with these remote settings, so I really appreciate you jumping on this morning. Great to see you. So let's jump right into things, not going to waste any time, and and break down the two main industries that I spoke about in that headline, supply chain and value chain. Now, I know that Innovaptive has a strong foothold within both of these. So for the audience, could you help to uh, shine some light on the key differences between the two? Sure. Thanks for the question. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that supply chain and and value chain terminology does get used interchangeably, but they are different. Supply chain is really about all those activities on getting a product to the customer. So it starts with raw materials through production to final distribution of that product to the customer. Value chain focuses on all those activities that add value to the product. So it's a bit broader than just supply chain. So it would include things like product design, marketing, sales, and and quality. I think the best way to look at this, Mark, is to take an example. So Innovaptive, we do a lot of work in the area of maintenance, repair, and operations. So that's about keeping plant and equipment up and running. The supply chain side of that is about moving parts and equipment on a global basis. So if we take an example, oil and gas industry, a lot of the suppliers are based, say, in Houston, where you have a particular cluster. But those parts and equipment need to be distributed on a global basis to where the oil is found, so places like Mozambique and Indonesia. So that's truly a global supply chain. You need to be able to distribute those parts efficiently and effectively. But if you think about it, it's not until the parts and equipment get installed that the company is going to get real value. So we would include maintenance in that case as part of the end-to-end value chain. Okay. So I really see how they work together and kind of combine into one, but also have their separate elements. So it's a really nice explanation. Excellent. So let's take a look back at the the last few years. Um, I think we can confidently say that a number of significant trends have taken shape perhaps even quicker than anticipated. I know that speaking with a lot of our other um, clients and in under other industries, what was supposed to develop in five to 10 years in trends has really happened in this past year, uh, really because of the pressures put on everyone with the COVID era and the pandemic. Um, something that's been appropriately coined uh, the great acceleration, which I love because it really <laughs> displays it really nice in your mind how so much uh, development had to happen in a short time. So from your position, uh, based on what you've seen with your clients at Innovaptive, can you share some of these big impacts that you've seen take place? And perhaps we can start with this past year, since it had probably such a profound impact. 
Yeah, sure. And uh, I think it's difficult to do a podcast like this without talking about COVID. Uh, COVID undoubtedly had big impacts on the supply chain. So we saw with the onset of the pandemic, uh, end of 2019, uh, beginning of 2020 in China, the, the, the kind of some of the impacts that had. So, for example, on the in the automotive sector, a lot of production lines or assembly lines in, in Europe and the US were forced to grind to a halt because they couldn't get their component supplies from places like China. So that was one big impact. I mean, the, the other big impact to COVID, which I think is well documented, is, is the growth of e-commerce. So you're starting to see a lot of consumers ordering products for the first time online. And it's difficult to imagine that those trends are going to be reversed. So I, I would agree with your point, Mark. There has been a big acceleration and uh it's probably, you know, things are happening in the space of 12 months that would have taken a lot longer if it hadn't been for COVID. Uh, if I think about some of the reactions of our clients in, a, in, a, in Avaptive, I mean, we do a lot of work in the space of utilities. So this is companies supplying gas, electricity. Um, they were in essential industries, so they needed to keep their operations up and running. So what were the immediate response? I mean, one of the things that we did in, in Evaptive was develop a health checklist on a mobile device so workers could actually complete those before entering the factory. So while they were still at home, if they were showing symptoms of COVID, then obviously you would ask them not to come in. Uh, there was a lot of practical things as well that companies were doing. So uh, factories and warehouses, for example, putting on extra shifts, maybe extending the working week from five days to seven days. And by doing that, you know, you're actually spreading the, the reducing the density of the workforce. So reducing the risks of, of outbreaks. I think on the on the maintenance side, we saw some really interesting uses of technology. So um, obviously travel bans, not people were not able to travel internationally. So we saw the increase of use of, of wearables and, and, and smart glasses. So the scenario there might be, you know, a company needing to install a new plant or equipment, say in, in Thailand, but the subject matter expert was in Germany, wasn't able to travel. So we saw the use of collaboration, smart glasses, where they could collaborate on teams and, and, and the engineer in Thailand could be talked through the installation step by step. So that, that was kind of a really interesting development. And we work closely with a company called Realware, which is, is being very successful in, in this space. I like how you mentioned these blurring of channels that were so well-defined, very much uh, in contrast to one another, but it's really seemed to have blurred those lines. I guess it's really important also that not only looking at COVID, but companies don't lose sight of the other factors driving change. You know, COVID has been significant, but there's plenty of other pieces at play here, isn't there? Absolutely. And I, I think uh, it, it's easy to to kind of think it's only COVID, but there's longer term structural trends that haven't gone away. For example, we know in the Western world that there's a, an aging population in a lot of countries. Uh, and that also means an aging workforce as well. So interestingly, you know, in the mining sector, maintenance engineers, the average age of those engineers can be 47 or higher. So, you know, in the next few years, you're going to have be having a lot of people retiring from the workforce. And what happens then, you, you lose a lot of what we would call tribal knowledge or, or corporate knowledge. 
and it disappears. So that's going to be an important consideration for, for companies going forward. I think the, the other big trend we see, Mark, is the uh, millennials entering the workforce. And this is a whole generation that has been brought up on smartphones. Uh, they, they're they not going to take kindly to using paper-based processes in their, in their, in their new jobs. So, uh, in, in fact, we're seeing it, it can be part of their decision criteria. They want to kind of enter the workforce work, working for a modern uh, enterprise. So, uh, it, it's certainly going to be a consideration for companies. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as an, an early millennial, um, I can certainly relate to that. Yeah, having as much tech available and fluidity, um, I think, and that flexibility just lends itself to a further uh, speed in growth. So I love that you mentioned that as well. So bringing things to today, uh, 2021 and looking beyond, um, for businesses that are listening and, and looking to integrate a digital solution into their operations in some capacity, where would you say that they can make the biggest impact when they're looking at cost versus measurable results? Sure. I mean, I, I would say, always start with the business problem that you're trying to solve. And and, and that sounds obvious and it, it's not a new concept, but I think it, it's it's something that companies still sometimes forget. Um, so it's easy, easy to be seduced by new technology. It, you can feel a bit like a child in, in the candy shop. You know, there's there's lots of things to choose from. You end up trying to do too much and, and you know, you can end up with a stomachache. Um, I think the other important point to, to, to think about is the industry sectors are at different stages of development. So, for example, in consumer goods, um, you have a lot of integration between supply chain partners. So, you'll have, you know, things, food manufacturers, uh, backward integration into the farmers, and then forward integration into the retailers themselves. So, there's a lot of collaboration going on. They're sharing information, and they've been doing that for a long time. But if you compare that with other sectors, like, for example, oil and gas, you don't see that level of integration. Um you might have suppliers that are using a barcode solution in their warehouse, but those barcodes, when the product passes through to, the, to their customer, that the customer is not able to use those same barcodes to, to run their operation. So, you know, a much lower level of integration. Um, you know, we touched on earlier about the aging workforce in, in some of the Western economies and, uh, that that's going to drive companies to to be looking at being able to do with more than more with less. You know, it's going to be about productivity, and and we see shortages in both warehousing and 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 in the transport sector where I do a lot of work. So I, I think um, that's kind of introduction to your question mark. But and we can start to look at you know where companies may be able to to to, to start the the journey. I think digitization of work processes is going to be important. Companies have made significant investments in their ERP systems over the last 20 years, but it's really interesting. A lot of workers still remain disconnected and still dependent on inefficient paper-based processes. Uh, maintenance workers, for example, they're wasting a lot of time moving back and forward between the place of work and the back office, maybe to get their next assignment or to process the, the transaction on the desktop. And the if you look at the, the wrench time, we talk about the wrench time in maintenance, which is really the effective time that somebody spends carrying out work. It can be as low as 30%, and, and the rest of the time 
is is wasted. So if, if you imagine you give that person a tablet or a smartphone, they can carry out the transaction in real time as, as soon as they finish the physical work. That gives you great visibility into the operation as well as improving productivity. I think another area that, that's worth mentioning is robotics, uh, you know, again, to, to address this issue of labor shortages. So Amazon has been one of the leaders in, in the last, you know, 10 years or so in introducing warehouse technology. And you can see some of their great videos on YouTube where you see the, the actual robot bringing the product to the picker rather than the picker having to walk around the warehouse. And if you think about it, I mean, picking typically employs 50% of warehouse staff. So any savings that you can make in this area uh, would, would have a significant uh, benefit on, on your costs. Having said all of that, not all Amazon warehouses are fully automated. So you'll st still see a lot of people being employed in some of the less automated facilities. Maybe the last area to mention, Mark, would be infantry management. Um, and that's long been a challenge, I think, for, for companies. So if you think about consumer goods companies, they had this, what they would call the sales and operation planning process, which was an attempt to forecast what was going to happen over the next 12 months. And then based on that, they would organize their procurement, their manufacturing, and their, their whole distribution. And, and those forecasts were never right. And, and so companies are looking at things like demand sensing, which is about taking a much shorter term look uh, based on actual demand, based on real customer orders, and having a very, very agile supply chain that can respond to, that can respond to changes. Finally, Mark, you mentioned in your question cost and benefits. I, I, I think that's a critical point. Um, I think that the days of kind of vanity projects in IT are long gone and, and companies are looking for a real ROI on their projects. I like that point about the Amazon example you gave. And, and in a talk a, a few weeks ago, we spoke with um, a local AI expert who was discussing how these technologies we have to think of them in a way of, and he gave a really good metaphor, but to think of it as having thousands of interns at your disposal. And that's really what this technology does is it doesn't replace people, but it enhances their capacity to work faster and increase efficiencies. Now you mentioned there's huge gaps in inefficiencies and in all types of industries. So really, really great point to mention. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's great. And I, I think, yeah, I'm all, I'm just to add to that, maybe, yeah, yeah you know, as you say, that it, it, it's getting people then to focus on higher value added activities, you know, so um, the, the, the guys in the warehouse can be looking at how they improve their warehouse processes rather than struggling with paper-based processes and, and issues with infantry accuracy. Yeah, really. Another excellent point, something we focus on a lot as well is, yeah, allowing people to do more tasks that are, are more important that maybe an AI thing can do the menial tasks and the actual worker can focus on a higher, a higher level of task. It's really great. So you mentioned, uh, obviously many different points that companies can get started at. Um, but one thing I really like that you said is that people can go too much too fast and lose track of what the original problem was. So again, for those listening, um, and, and looking to get into it, what about wanting to take the smaller steps to get started? So where would you say are the, the best places to start looking to perhaps dip their foot into this technology rather than take on too much too fast? Yeah, sure. Good question. I, I mean, 
I, I would one area to look at, I think, for companies is these remote workers. So, you know, you've invested a lot of money in your ERP, ERP systems over the last 20 years, you know, millions of dollars probably, but you've got all of these workers who remain kind of outside of the ERP system, if you like, you know, that you're having to print off paper and they're having to go off and do their job and then come back to the office to, to process things. So I, I think enabling those those workers would be a, a great place to to start. And, and, you know, once you've got, I think the other point here is, you know, once you've got information in a digital format that it enables you to to look at insights from that data so you can look at things like equipment failure rates you can look at how can you improve productivity how can you improve the the, the process and uh, i think it's a legitimate approach you know for companies to start small and, and and look at the roi before rolling out the solution on on a grand scale um you know the demo can often look great but how is it going to work in in the field so a lot of companies are starting with pilot implementations in one plant or warehouse um you know put the solution in the hands of users in my experience, you know, frontline workers, whether it be in maintenance or warehouse, they're very practical people. And they're going to be asking the basic question, you know, does this technology help me do my job quickly, you know, more easily and more efficiently? That That's really the fundamental question. If, if the answer is yes, then then fine, you're going to get adoption. If the answer is no, then 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 people won't adopt the solution and, and the company's wasted a lot of money. I think the, the other important point, you know, for business and, and IT sponsors um, is what we we talk about scalability of the solution. And <clears throat> excuse me, we saw a <clears throat> we saw a lot uh, an issue with <clears throat> excuse me uh, with with earlier kind of um, waves of technology where where companies didn't think about this issue of scalability. So they may have implemented the solution in the first factory, the first plant, or the first warehouse successfully. Um, but what they didn't think about was what happens you come to, when you come to the second plant, you find that there's different business processes, uh, there's different legal and fiscal requirements, or there's different language requirements. So you need a solution that's adaptable. And there's one of the ways of doing that is, is this idea of low-code platforms, which enables you to do changes to the solution without having to write any code. And in Evaptive, we have a tool called RACE. It stands for Rapid App Configuration Engine. And this enables us to tailor the solution to meet our clients' exact business processes without needing to write code. So you overcome this big challenge of scalability that many companies have experienced in the past. Less barriers to get started, really, like making it as easy as possible for people. And like you said, it, the proof is in the results. So once they start with it, they'll know right away if it, you know, is this having a significant impact? And at that point, once they see that efficiency to step backwards from that's almost impossible. And we see this in, in tons of different industries as well. But once you've increased the productivity of something to go back to a paper-based process or, or a longer, um, yeah, process of any kind, it, it makes it seem like you're going a decade backwards in time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, getting momentum, getting some quick wins on the board, you know, starting one plant and, and, and that plant then can be, be showcased. You know, we, we do a lot of work with multinationals, so they're operating across the globe. Uh, if you have a, a showcase plant that has experienced big benefits, um, it's a great way of getting 
momentum then for the project on a global basis. Yeah. Yeah. I can sort of reflect on that as well. I mean, we, we do a lot of work with, yeah, starting with a test store or a test uh, location or, or an application. And then that gets ruled out once the results are proven, which is quite often the case, just because the efficiency is that gap is so, uh, so easily shortened that it's an easy win. Like you said, taking advantage of those easy wins. Perfect. So we've looked at the past, we've looked at the present in terms of significant trends, um, but what about looking ahead? Now, obviously you have a number of years in the experience and you've seen a lot of trends develop over the past years, but where do you see the biggest trends developing in the future? And, and what will those impacts be on supply and value chain? Yeah, that, that's a tough question. I mean, the, the, there's so many new technologies out there and it's often difficult to, to pick the winners. Um, I actually like the quote from Bill Gates uh, when he said, we often overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years, but underestimate what will occur in the next 10 years. Um, but but I, I think, you know, yeah, we, we can certainly think about uh, a few ideas uh, and, you know, particularly in the supply chain area and and, and, and where where, ben, where companies can benefit from new technology. So drones, I, I, I think, is is a, a technology that's already at a very sophisticated level, particularly in the military sphere. But but they're already starting to be used in in commercial applications as well. So I know, for example, in oil and gas, they're being used for inspections. So imagine if you had a, an oil refinery, you need to inspect a chimney to see if there's any any corrosion. Maybe the old way of doing that was to send up someone in a, in a hoist or, or an, on a crane or, or even having to build scaffolding, which may even need you to close the plant down uh, or shut down the plant for a certain amount of time. Imagine now you've got a drone, you can fly the drone over the chimney, it's got a camera, you can go in very close, you, you can see if there's any corrosion and you can make an assessment based on that very quickly. So it, it's not only a really cost-effective way of carrying out that safe that inspection, but it's a much safer way of doing it and, and safety is a, a huge concern, you know, in the oil and gas sector. And, and there are lots of other applications of drones. I mean, you're starting to, you're seeing them being used, for example, on mine sites. So imagine you have an iron ore mine, you, you need to estimate the amount of ore. The old way of doing it was probably having somebody walk around and, and with a clipboard, you know, and doing a few calculations and, and working out the volume. Now you can fly a drone over there and, and, and do the calculation automatically. And then we're starting to see drones being used in lots of other applications as well in the supply chain. So things like they're being trialed for home deliveries, picking materials in a warehouse, doing infantry counts in the warehouse, or even for passenger transport. So I would expect to see a big increase in, in the use of drones in, in the future. I think the, uh, the other area that's worth mentioning is, is blockchain. So we're probably all familiar with blockchain in terms of uh, cryptocurrencies. And um, you know that 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 tends to get a lot of publicity, but they're also being used a lot already in in the supply chain. Um, so you you're kind of seeing uh, a joint vet. There's a there's a joint venture between um, Maersk, which is a big international shipping company, and IBM called TradeLens. So that's looking at uh, applying 
blockchain to the shipping supply chain, which is notoriously inefficient. I think that that's not unfair to say that. So you've got lots of different parties involved in that. You've got the shipping companies themselves. You've got freight forwarders. You've got customs brokers. You've got transport companies. And, and there's a lot of paper floating around. So things like bills of lading, which is the main document that, that's used in shipping, uh, a lot of that is still paper-based. So You'll see blockchain, I think, having a big impact on on that uh, shipping supply chain over over the next few years. And there's other areas as well. So we see blockchain being used for product traceability, for example, in the pharmaceutical sector, and also for anti-counterfeiting, which is a is a huge issue in in luxury goods. Augmented reality, I think, is another area. So we touched on collaboration a little bit earlier, but there's more scope for using augmented reality. So instead of just having a a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting on, on the wearable device, you could actually have a video that comes up. So the person doing the maintenance repair sees a video and it's talking them through step by step of what needs to be done to successfully repair or, or install the new equipment. So augmented reality, I think, definitely a, a growth area for the future. And then perhaps one more, Mark, to mention sustainability in, in the supply chain. So countries and companies are embracing a, a, a low carbon future. Uh, and that's often being driven by shareholders. You know, in, in the oil sector now, shareholders are, are asking difficult questions and are really pushing the oil companies to towards a low carbon future. So maybe the internal combustion engine has got a limited life. You know, will it be around for in 20 years time? Maybe not. So we're starting to see electric uh, batteries making inroads, new fuels like hydrogen. Uh, can be used also for, for, for vehicles. And also the, 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 the rise of driverless trucks. There's trials going on at the moment, as well as driverless cars. We've got driverless trucks being used for, uh, for distribution. So uh, probably thrown out a lot of ideas, Mark, in, in, in a short period of time. I think we probably only kind of scraped the surface. Um, but, but, but certainly maybe just to, to reiterate one of the points that I made earlier, I think always start with a business problem. Don't start with the technology. What problem are you trying to solve and, and what, what benefits can, can technology bring? Yeah, really good points and some great things to look forward to. But as you said, I think, you know, there's so many things that could happen in the coming years. So, yeah, really, really great insights today. I think we really outlined those gaps perfectly. Um, and yeah, I think lots of actionable notes for listeners to to take forward today. So Richard has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for these great insights. Um, great to speak with you and great to have you on today. Hey, Mark, th- thanks very much for inviting me. Um, and I hope your listeners found it useful. I hope so too. I know they did. So again, thank you so much. Uh, and we'll speak with you very soon. Thank you. It really is an interesting time to be working with both the supply and value chain industries. As Richard shared with us, so many active trends surround digital transformation that are making big differences in how operations run and operate. It all comes down to closing that gap of inefficiency, and I hope that this talk has identified some of the steps you can take, big or small, when looking to embrace digital technology within your operational processes. Again. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Any Line, Anytime. And I hope that this talk inspired you to take action. Until next time, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, 
and I'll see you on the next episode.